Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Friday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Braves uh, just getting cranked up here as uh, Yelich doubled uh, what should have been a single, but he doubled and then um, uh, another hit uh, off the wall, and uh, he scored. So Braves are down early here, one nothing in the uh, bottom of the first inning. So we'll keep you up to date along about what goes on with the Atlanta Braves. We were just talking some Falcons football with you here with the Falcons flyover. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to Daniel Flick, Falcons writer for um, SI.com, Fan Nation. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at DFlickDraft. Daniel, appreciate a few minutes uh, tonight on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, absolutely happy to be here. Uh, I'm excited to chat it up with you about some Falcons ball ahead of training camp, man. You know, uh, we had uh, on the afternoon show earlier today was uh, one of the NFL guys, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about the idea of that Desmond Ritter just needs to be the point guard. Like, he doesn't have to shoulder the burden of trying to win games. And, and you know, again, and I'm not saying he's not going to try to win games, but just the idea of that he has to be an MVP caliber player to for the uh, Falcons to win some games. I agree with him. I Do you see it that way that he can be – I don't like the word game manager, but that's if he's at least that – then I think we can still win another a lot of games with the way our offense is set up to be this year. I do. I absolutely agree. Um, I think when you look at last year, uh, Atlanta managed to win seven games in a year where their record in one-score games was not very good. Um, and naturally, you would expect that pendulum to kind of shift more towards you know about 500 this year. Um, and I think when you look at the pieces that they have around Ritter offensively, whether it's a Robinson, a Patterson, an Algier, uh, London, Kyle Pitts, whoever it may be, there's enough talent to where Ritter won't have to play hero ball. And, you know, obviously Atlanta had the league's number three rushing offense last year. Um, you would expect that'll only improve this year with Robinson added in. And then obviously you've got continuity at four out of five offensive line spots. Uh, and, and so you really would expect the running game to be the heart and soul of the, t- of the team once again. Uh, to where, you know, again, last year they won seven games. You'd expect quarterback play to improve marginally at, at the very least um, with the progress that Ritter showed last year throughout his four-game stint. Um, and, again, the way that they've improved the floor of the team, not just offensively but throughout the entire roster, really, you would expect the, you wouldn't really need elite-level play out of Ritter, even if you're only adding an extra two to three wins with the schedule alone. I think there's a lot working in Atlanta's favor uh, whether it's offensively, whether it's strength of schedule, and again, just kind of that you know one one possession game pendulum kind of shifting back in their favor to where Ritter can just play average ball, and I think 10, 11 wins is still firmly in play. I still think that the one thing about this offense is, and in Arthur Smith's first year, they were 24th in red zone touchdown efficiency. They were 14th in the league last year in red zone touchdown efficiency. I think the one area that really has to improve is they have to be an elite red zone offense. And when you look at the amount of weapons that they have, because I think think it's funny when people talk about, well, they need another pass catcher. They've got enough players to catch the football, but they need to be an elite red zone offense. And there's no reason why with the personnel that they have that they can't be, you know, again, 67% touchdown percentage and and find their way into the top five, six, you know, as far as 
red zone efficient offenses. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think with the addition of Bijan Robinson, I think you're particularly hoping that that number increases from where it was last year. Obviously, across Ritter's four starts, red zone efficiency was, as you pretty much you know mentioned, was not a strong suit last year. Um, and really with Arthur Smith, that's kind of been one of the more worrisome trends um, you know, throughout his tenure. And I think that's for sure one of the things you're really hoping um, improves massively this year. And again, the weapons that they have, whether it's London at 6'4", Pitts at 6'5", 6'6", with the wingspans that they have, you've got two guys who should, in theory, with their size and play styles alone, should be, you know, big jump ball guys who should thrive in, in, in the red zone. And, and really just once you get down there, there's no reason for them to not be more involved than they were last year. London in particular showed the last few games that he can be a threat down there when used properly. And I, I think obviously the the connection that him and Ritter have from whether it's working out together last offseason in California or rooming together last year at a rookie minicamp, there's obviously clear chemistry there. And I think red zone in particular, everything is so important on timing and, and just really trust as well. There's really no reason that London in particular shouldn't be a more uh, prominent part of what they're trying to accomplish. But I think when you look at the running game as well, again, I'm going to keep harping on it. That's going to be such an, an integral part of what they're trying to accomplish this year. Last year, it felt like at times they kind of got away from running the ball. Um, once they kind of moved inside, you know, 10, 15 yards out. Um, and I think you look at the bodies that they have. Robinson, Algier, and Patterson are all 215-plus pounds. You know, I mean, those are physical guys with, with vision and feel and are really hard to tackle. Um, and if you rotate them right, those are three guys that should be fresh. And so I think really the pieces are all there. And Arthur Smith's red zone offense in Tennessee was never that bad to, you know, kind of what it's been in Atlanta. And so I think there's definitely the pieces there to where the jump that, you know, you mentioned, whether it's at 67% or higher of trying to just, you know, finish off drives. Ritter showed last year he could drive the ball, um, especially that Ravens game. They, they moved it really well. They just split with finishing. That's absolutely the next step, I think, for this offense. And I, I think all the pieces are there to where they can take that next step. Daniel Flick is a uh, Falcons writer for SI.com and Fan Nation, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. So this is still my concern about the Atlanta Falcons is – I have concerns that they can influence the game on the defensive side of the football at the point that it's most important. And, you know, I'm a big – I'm a – no, I'm, I'm not going to say big. I'm a huge advocate of sacking the quarterback. I think it's – I think of anything you can do defensively in the NFL, I think it's the most important thing you can do because if you can sack the quarterback, you can drastically influence the way a game is played. Do you think what, – let me ask you this. What do you think is – still your biggest concern going into this season for the Falcons? Yep. You know, I'm glad that you brought up pass rush. I think that until we see productivity out of that group, that's probably the main concern. Just because after the you know past several years of Atlanta's pass rush just being largely non-existent, um, I think a lot of people are kind of in see-it-to-believe-it mode. Um, and I think you look at the pieces that they have up front, whether it's a Calais Campbell, uh, you know, obviously inside you've got Anyamata and Jared and, and, and Graham and a lot of really talented pressure players on that entire front. Um, I think you look at that outside pass rush. Um, I personally believe that Arnold Epichetti is in for a really big second year. 
Um, if you look at what he did last year, I believe he was Atlanta's defensive player of the game in week 11 um, against Chicago and then came back and got hurt the week after that. And uh, he already had, a, I believe, a pressure and a, a tackle for loss when he got hurt after about eight or nine snaps. And then once he came back, his snaps were kind of cut. His play was clearly cut as well. And uh, But he was really turning a corner prior to that injury. And I think a lot of people kind of forget about that. And so I think, you know, if he takes that next step, pass rush is not as big of a concern. Um, I still think the, the overall floor of the edge group has been lifted significantly to where I'm pretty sure in the past two years, the Falcons are looking at about 39 and a half to 40 sacks combined, which over last year alone would have put them below average in the NFL. Um, and that's a two year average for Atlanta to, to reach that point. And so, you know, Obviously, you've got a lot of veterans, frankly, that should, in theory, lift not only pressure rate but overall sack production. Um, and I, I think that's, again, the floor is so much higher to where you should be looking at at least 30 to 35 sacks, which is going to be almost twice as many as last year alone, um, which, again, drastically improves pretty much everything up front. And um, obviously, Atlanta's improve the secondary a fair amount as well this off season to where you might see more coverage sacks as well. Um, but I think Ryan Nielsen uh, in new Orleans, obviously he, he made it, he made those mug looks up front with his linebackers very, very prominent. Um, and so I think with Ellis and, and Troy Anderson at, at that second level, um, those two guys have a lot of rush capability as well. Um, and I, I think that, the more that you look at the pieces that are there, you've got a good blend of veterans who've proven that they can pressure guys, proven they can finish, um, you know, a, a new play caller who's, who's proven that he can scheme up pressure and is really creative with some of the rush packages that he has. Uh, and so I think, you know, if Ebiketti, it's a pretty big if, but I think if Ebiketti can kind of take that next step that I think that he'll, he'll take, and I think the Falcons anticipate he'll take as well, um, I think you're talking about a, a really high ceiling for Atlanta's edge rush group for the first time in, in several years, which um, obviously is, is massive for a unit that, that's, you know, been ranked quite low the past several years. So um, I think Ebiketti, whether or not he takes that next step, is probably the most pressing concern on my mind at the moment. But I think that there's a level of confidence there that he will take that step. Um, and, and Atlanta's pass rush should, uh, big emphasis there on should, take a, a pretty good step forward. I think the low-key best move that the Falcons made in this offseason wasn't any kind of player signing. I think it's bringing in Jerry Gray, and he's a stalwart defensive mind. Um, he obviously worked with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor in their rookie years in Seattle in 2010, had a big hand in making those guys into the players that they were. Jair Alexander talks about how much of an influence he was with him when he was in Green Bay and – Jair Alexander is one of the better corners in, in the entirety of the NFL. I really am excited about him. And I think that, look, I think Jeff Okuda is in line for a big year this year. You know, again, if we can get our secondary up to speed, you know, we were not a very good pass defense last year. But I think with Okuda, A.J. Terrell, now Jesse Bates back there, whatever combination of Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant and Mike Hughes and everybody, really think that the secondary is the most improved unit for this Atlanta Falcons team. Yep, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I think this time last year, a lot of people felt like the secondary was probably one of, if not the strongest units on the on the team with how last offseason shaped up and then, you know, some of the guys that they had there. And obviously injuries kind of hit and um, the unit wasn't necessarily as good as we all hoped. And, um, 
But I, I think as you look forward into this year, obviously a, a big pressing um, area to watch is, is slot corner. Um, and I think you've got three guys there with, with Alford, Clark Phillips, and and, uh, and Hughes. As you kind of referred to, he's a guy that, that spent a lot of time with Gray in Minnesota. Um, and, and, you know, they're pretty familiar with each other. Obviously, you got a pretty pretty solid contract this offseason where you'd think he'll probably see quite a – I'd say a pretty large number of snaps. Um, but I think the overall secondary, you mentioned the safeties there. I think with Richie Grant, you bring in Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, you've got to feel really comfortable. The more that you move Richie Grant closer to the line of scrimmage, I think the better he is. I, I think, you know, last year Arthur Smith praised his physicality, um, just how good of a tackler he was, his overall communication skills. He got exposed a little bit playing single high at times last year, and I think the closer that you put him in the box playing up front where, where his physicality shines a bit more, that's going to help him take another step forward after what was already a pretty big leap from last year, or I should say from his rookie year to last year. Um, and it, I think that him, him and Jesse Bates alone is, is going to be a really, a really comforting thing, I, I think, for Ryan Nielsen. Uh, and I think it's a type of deal where it kind of allows him to be a little bit more aggressive with you know, some of the um, – rush packages that he can kind of scheme up and again only help that pass rush as you and I were talking about earlier um, again a corner I, I think AJ Terrell last year was not his finest year after that all pro year in 2021 uh, but I think you know he, he did improve as the year went on after a bit of a tough start uh, and I think that you know the way that he played and kind of the leadership role that he's kind of ascended into over the last year or two is um, certainly confidence enough to where you think that he'll probably end up being, again, that, that top-tier corner. And then it forces teams to start looking towards Okuda. And, you know, all the talk is that Okuda's kind of change of scenery is going to be really productive for him. And, um, you know, we're not going to really find that out until live snaps take place or potentially in, in camp here over the next few weeks. But um, I think with Okuda, such a talented guy, and a lot of people kind of overlook the fact that his first two years were ravaged with injuries. And so – Last year was kind of his first fully healthy. Um, he was pretty solid, all things considered, for a guy that hadn't really played and was his team's top corner and kind of forced to play, you know, a lot of talented top guys. He won't be in that same role this year. You mentioned Jerry Gray, you know, such a, a, a veteran of the game. I mean, Arthur Smith has just raved about his presence off the field as much as on the field. You know, I mean, truly a, a culture changer, I think, in that secondary. And, uh, you know, the overall staff, changes that they've made defensively I, I think is only has only helped not only with the energy um, but just kind of fresh faces of just kind of I, I think um, provided a, a new lease on certain things and obviously Okuda's new to everything here but I, I think that it's the type of deal where you're hoping that he can kind of show why he was drafted so highly at, at third overall um, and I think you know I feel like there's potential for him and Terrell to kind of really shine and I think the more that you force teams to start throwing in the slot and kind of trying to, to challenge vertically the more you kind of let those safeties play into it and it, it's really uh the way the secondary is shaping up I think is very exciting I think back there um I think the Falcons have about five to six guys at corner alone that you're confident in playing um and that's uh certainly a breath of fresh air compared to years past so I think really there's a a very high ceiling for that group Daniel Flick writes about the Atlanta Falcons for SI.com Fan Nation. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at DFlickDraft, and he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Daniel, really appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy, for a few minutes on the show tonight. We will chat again with you here soon. 
Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. You got Appreciate it. You me on. Thank you. When you when we come back, we'll be time for what's bugging Chuckery. Simmons sits and he still gets what he wants. I'll explain up next. Chuckery in the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. 